0: Welcome to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to people who want to speak more as a way to build their income and grow their business. Well, welcome everyone to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast. I'm your host, Jane Atkinson, founder of the Wealthy Speaker University. Now, today's podcast is being brought to you by the Wealthy Speaker Book and Journal Combo. We have put this combo on sale for the lowest price yet. I'm so excited for, for people who haven't experienced the journal yet to be exposed to it. The journal I know we're not supposed to have favorites, but the journal is still my favorite product we've ever developed. Why? it has the most impact in terms of helping speakers take the right actions every single day that result in booking more business. Consistent action is really the key. And when consistent action is coupled with some very strategic moves in your business, you create momentum and momentum drives your speaking calendar. For those of you who are interested, go on over to speakerlauncher.com. Forward slash combo, and you will see all of the details. And you know what? There's some bonuses in there that I haven't even mentioned. So check it out. Now, today's podcast, we're talking about another way to build momentum in your business. I call it be good marketing. That's when you're going out and you're just so great on the platform that spin-off occurs. The speech and how you present and engage is so very, very important. It's all about presenting powerfully and leaving your audience wanting more. Now, our guest expert today is Sarah Hilton. Welcome, Sarah.
1: Thank you.
0: So happy to be here. So happy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me read a little bit of your bio and then you can fill in some of the blanks. Today, Sarah will share the world-class speaking process. She's been certified in that and will make your presentations. Then that will help make your presentations more memorable. Sarah has applied her world-class speaking skills in her own business in the nonprofit sector of mental health, for over 20 years, but also has been working as a presentations coach where she has taken many of her clients from ordinary to extraordinary, from great to epic. And epic is really our goal. Sarah, fill in the blanks on this bio. What do we need to know about you and your business?
1: Fabulous. Well, the reason I said I'm so happy is because my favorite topic in the whole wide world is How to Create the Epic Keynote. (laughs) Just like you, Jane, we've had these conversations, which is so exciting. But my background is in mental health. But one of the things that, that I recognized and other people recognized in me is when I brought mental health to the stage, I had a way of not only helping the audience feel the most comfortable that they could feel in this really difficult and challenging topic sometimes, but also we had a lot of fun. And so when I looked at kind of where do I where's my niche in the speaking business and the coaching business, it really came to helping others uh, build their presentations, their stories, their connection to the audience and taking it to the next level.
0: I love it. I love it. And, you know, it's really great when you identify your sweet spot as a coach. You know, I kind of know where mine is and you know where yours is. And so we're talking about engagement and connection today, which is so incredibly important for having people leave feeling uh, like they got to know you, like they were a part of things. How do you connect with an audience? Okay, so let's say the lights are low The stage lights are high, you can't see the faces. This is when you've kind of gone from those hotel meeting rooms and you can, the lights are high and you can see everybody up to an actual kind of keynote, maybe IMags on either side. That's kind of the vision that I have with a lot of my clients. When you can't see past the third row, how do you connect? What's the secret sauce there?
1: The secret sauce is definitely in creating the big wow right off the bat, creating that wow that makes the audience get uncomfortable almost in their seats. Like, wow, what's going to happen next? And you don't have to see the audience for that. It's a feeling you get and an emotion you get because you know what? You're prepared, you're ready, you're committed. You've done all your research. You are ready to take and own the stage. Mm. And it's so funny because you feel that energy in the room and you know when it's not working. Um, So to start with, it's the secret sauce is to start out that way. Go in there prepared, committed to make a difference
0: So is the big wow your opening story? Is it, you know, there's lots of different things. There's like a smorgasbord that people can choose from. So what are some of the things that you've seen really work?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, Use the, the terminology ask. So if you start by asking a question, Just off the bat. It's not, hey, how's the weather today? Isn't it a great day out there? Oh, the traffic on the way here was just
0: incredible. Oh, it's great to be here in Toronto this morning. Yay. (laughs)
1: Exactly. (laughs) Okay. So it's jumping into that initial question. It could be, so the ABCs to this is ask a question, Mm -hmm. build a bang, that wow, and then create the story that goes around this. Okay. So for example, I'll give you a share a little of one of my wows. And that is I started at a networking meeting one time, and I drank a bottle of Windex. Okay, so I'm sure your listeners are just (laughs) panicking right now, especially nurses or anybody in the audience. But uh, what it was was, you know, blue Kool-Aid, in essence, and I drank it. And that's all I did to create the start of my presentation. And then I went on to say, I'm so glad I use Enyo, an environmentally safe product, because we don't have chemicals in our home. And I was showcasing that to, um, you know, to sell your product, you have to create that opening well to get people thinking about the message that you're, you're sharing that day, rather than, you know, what happened an hour before they got there, what their kids are doing
0: right now. What's happening on their phone. Exactly. Okay. Um, So, so let me understand how this happened. (laughs) You walk onto stage, you don't say, uh, good morning. welcome. I'm so happy to be here in Texas today. You say what, what actually came out of your mouth there? I drank the Windex. So you have this see-through glass. Yes. you. It's sitting there. It's blue. You drink it. You put it down. And then what do you say? I say,
1: so happy I don't use chemicals in my home. Enyo is a, is a product that is environmentally friendly. So even if my children drink from any of our bottles, I can be assured they're safe with water.
0: Okay. So your point was about... Lead me a little bit further yeah. down the path on that. So this
1: this presentation was about how do you sell your product and create the wow. So I ah. took, I knew my audience and my audience were um, people that sold things like Enyo or things like uh, party light or candles or whatever their product was. And that really helped them understand that, They can go beyond, I sell
0: this, I sell that. Okay, so you broke, and you broke them out of wherever they were. Absolutely. Brought them in the room with you, and then you were teaching them what you were there to teach them. Okay, great. So um, there are probably, okay, so that was an opening story. Mm -hmm. So what would, and you can ask a question, what are some other ways to kind of, started. I mean, I know that there are stories that are fairly, you know, they're built out beginning, middle and end to the story that you can open with. Let's talk about that a little bit.
1: Sure, so stories are obviously very important in taking the stage, sharing stories, and there's different formats to sharing stories. One of the ones that is great for an opening, again, to engage the audience, to get them into what you're going to talk about for the next 45 minutes or an hour, is the then, now, and how technique. So then, um, how was life or how was the situation or the experience then? For you or your client or depending on the story that you're telling. And then how is it now? How are you experiencing that same kind of thing now? So for instance, my first presentation was a bomb. <laughs> and the, the audience was not engaged. I went in there and I got paid $500 and I was really excited. <laughs> and I went in there and I was not prepared and I didn't know my audience well enough to present to that audience. I hadn't done my research. So I shared that example of then, that's how I presented. Then I share a story, the same kind of mirroring effect of how I present today. I do my research, I look for opportunities to do activities with the audience, to anchor my messages. I feel so um, excited about the follow-up of my presentations. And all of the journey that goes with running a business of a speaker. So that's me now. And then I ask the all-important question. What do you think got me from then to now and how I present today? And I moved to the center of the stage to talk about the how. Because the how is really the message that you're selling that day on stage. And for me, it may be something like, I use the world-class speaking tools to help me present memorable messages today you're going to pick up those tools so that you too can take the stage with your message and story
0: okay nice so I like then that a lot. now how then now how um what do you what are the world-class guidelines on eyes because i know that uh t- tell us a little bit about world-class because and where it came from and everything
1: Sure. So World Class Speaking um, comes from one of the champions, 1999 champion of public speaking, Craig Valentine. Mm-hmm. And it, it's interesting you say the eyes and all of that. One of the I know that's new- a Toastmasters thing, right? It is. And one of the biggest pieces I think that has been ever-changing for my business is when I talk to people about how do you engage the audience with you-focused questions. So for example, I could say, I read this book last week, uh, and uh, her name is Brené Brown. And instead, I could say, raise your hand, raise your hand if you've ever heard of Brené Brown. Mm-hmm. Because now I'm engaging with the audience, and I'm not going to share something that doesn't fit or does fit with what where they're at. Okay. And if I only see two hands up, I know that then I go into a little bit more detail about who Brené Brown is, for Tell instance. It.
0: Tell a bit more about it. Okay. And so, I mean, we're not saying that you can never use I because you're going to have I in some of your stories. That's just kind of logical. But I think being aware of it Mm -hmm. is certainly, it makes it just a little bit more interesting, don't you think? That's right. So you could, like for
1: another little
0: example is how many of you
1: are um, from Ontario? Mm-hmm. You could do that, right? Or you could say, uh, <laughs> "Are you from Ontario?" Mm-hmm. And it makes it much more engaging to an individual because the the bottom line is that a lot of these conferences is you may never, as an audience member, see the person that sits beside you again if it's an open conference, mm-hmm. or you may only see them once in a while. So, the more the the speaker can engage with one or two, even though they're speaking to all. Uh, the better it is for for them to feel engaged in the presentation.
0: Okay, fair enough. I have been using the imagine technique for many, many moons and it, I tried to change it only once did I not <laughs> use it and it turned out that I the opening instead was very visual mm-hmm. and I the only room I've ever been in that had uh, the lighting was so light that you couldn't see any of the slides. Mm. It wasn't a meeting room; it was uh, it was not designed for that. And so, um, I, I, I went immediately back to it the next day. <laughs> I went back to my normal. So my my imagine sequence starts with imagine you're having the perfect day in your life as a professional speaker, you know, and and it kind of goes on and on and leads you through getting a $10,000 fee and the limo waiting at the curb and you're signing lots and lots of books and you're adoring fans and what have you. Um, what do you think about the imagine sequence?
1: Well, I'll put it, put it very simply. I think we met, we were trying to gauge this the other day, but 12 years ago, 10, 10 to 12 years ago. right? And I will never forget that. And I still use it today. Oh. I still use that vision of, myself where I want to be in the next part of my journey. So does Imagine work?
0: Absolutely it does. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) that makes me feel good because really most people don't remember like the marketing tips or anything like that, but they do remember saying to themselves, that's what I want. And um, so my idea on getting away from it was simply because I had shown some in visions during uh, one of my live events, and someone said how impactful that was. And so I thought, well, I'm going to try changing it up. But no, I've gone back to my beautiful old (laughs) standby. You know, when you you tell a story that you've told for a long time and you know works, it's kind of like putting on a comfy pair of slippers, don't you think? Yes. Yes. It just feels good.
1: Those stories that you tell over and over again, some people will ask me, you know, Sarah, does it ever get boring? Like, Mm -hmm. how can you do that? The same story over and over again. And what I say is it's never the same story because the audience is never the same. Right. Every time you're telling that story, you're engaging the audience and that audience every time you speak is different. So the story is never the same. And if it works, it works. If, if you know, 200 people um, are engaged in that story or that imagine if and those kinds of things, those key little nuggets that you use, if they work, they're going to work for the next audience of 200. So why wouldn't you keep the magic pieces mm-hmm. that really hit home for people and make them say, ah? Oh.
0: Now, audience size, don't you think, has a difference in terms of thing, different things landing? Um, like, I know that one of my clients said that when his audience went from 200 to 2,000, he had to tweak some of his, his uh, laugh lines. They were no longer the same, and they changed with audience size. Do you find that? Absolutely. So even room size could could be different. The way the room is set up could be different. Right.
1: So I always say that you have your core keynote, let's say, but all of those little magic pieces come from you doing and feeling comfortable enough to do what you need to do to make it happen. So the message can be the same. The way you deliver, the amount of pause, the um, look that you give, the motion that you you know share, the activity that you do. Those could change, those anchors could change depending on size of room, type of audience, uh, male versus me- female audience, um, corporate versus, you know, an uh, open kind of conference like that the public's invited to. Mm-hmm. So those little anchors could change even though the message um, may, re- may remain the same.
0: If you are someone who is very facially visual, And you're on a big stage and you've got the iMags on either side, you'll have to have some conversations with the video people to make sure that they're on your face, not on the PowerPoint, when you're saying, you know, at what time in your presentation, right? Because you don't want the audience in the back of the room to miss some of your visual cues on your face, right? Absolutely. And there's a couple of tips for that too, Jane, that
1: I, I like to use. People forget about their B button. So your B button on your computer or on your um, remote. So right. So blank out your screen when, when it's not about the screen um, that anchor that you're not using, you're using a story, you're using something okay. else, then blank it out so that the focus is on you, that people know where to direct their look and their and their careful, um, their eyes. The other thing is for women, right, watch, watch your hair because your eyes and your mouth and your um, tweaks and your head nods and stuff, it really does help engage the audience with your character and your personality. I, I don't know if you've ever heard, I think it's in the book actually, Bald, Um, believe. Believe is the B. A is authentic. L is learn and D is dream. Men who are bald, (laughs) and I'm going to put it out there, have a great time on stage because you know why? The audience connects to them. You see every little- They're hiding uh, nothing. They're hiding nothing. It's so true. So be bald. Go bald when you speak. Believe in your topic. Be authentic, learn, and dream. Uh, just a little technique you can do. I'm
0: so happy that you're talking about authenticity because I, I believe authenticity is such a path to engagement. Why do you think that when you are real and raw and maybe sharing some side of yourself that you don't necessarily like, Why do people love that so much? So important, isn't it? So they love it so much because all of a sudden
1: we connect. We're on the same page. We've had mistakes just like our audience has had mistakes. We've had um, feelings and emotions that tie us together. Mm -hmm. So if your audience, somebody reacts or feels something from your story of sadness or hope or anger or whatever that is, when I say it on the stage, My story, and talk about when I was angry at whatever, it puts us in a place where we have now a
0: connection. Right, right. So important. My client, Erin Gargan, tells a story about her and her mom uh, arguing when she was a young girl over her getting a perm. And her mom ended up letting her get a perm, but only her bangs. (laughs) So she shows the picture of this gigantic poof at the top Mm. of her head. And, you know, uh, what we had agreed was that that just, you know, if they looked at Erin and thought, oh, this girl's got it going on. I don't like her at all. You know, she's too beautiful. She's too anything. That would bring her right down to everybody's level because we've all had a bad hair day. Yes, oh, or an I
1: argumental think. with her mother over her hair. Or <laughs>
0: argumented. Oh, yeah, exactly. Or um, I certainly had some bad perms back in the day. So I thought it was a nice kind of like icebreaker, especially yeah. for people who look too perfect. I mean, seriously, yeah. I... Uh, the audience may look at you and want to hate you immediately. And this is just a nice way to just lower the bar a little bit in terms of, uh, lower the inhibitions.
1: Cause there, okay. cause there is some judgment when you take the stage, right? People want to know, you know, how is this person going to help me in my life or my right. work or whatever. prove it? Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so it, as an, as an engaging opener, do you encourage people to have a story that was not a great day in your life? Is that uh, something that you think might work?
1: Um, For sure. That can definitely
0: help. Just like we said, starting
1: with the then now and how, so the then showing that not so great. I think though you can't We can't put a a label on to say, this is how you start that presentation. So you have to look at, okay, so what's the audience hoping to get away, get out of the presentation, Um, where, what, who spoke before me, like what, what kind of energy was, I get known to be a speaker after lunch and I'm kind of known for that in a couple of different circles. And the reason is, is because my presentation starts out a little differently and makes people go, wow. And secondly, I have a lot of activity, whether I'm speaking to 200 or a thousand, where people can be um, moving and engaged that way. So after lunch, I'm a good placement.
0: Okay. Yeah, so really, and they people are the full and they're a little bit tired, yeah. and uh, so something energy to get the energy flowing again after lunch. Right. Um, talk to me about interaction. You know, we hear the rules, quote unquote, uh, the rules that this is how it should be done. <laughs> what do you think? I've said to people, what comes, what feels right? <laughs> what feels right? <laughs> you know, there are no rules. What do you think about interaction and how do you think it can be done based on audience size? Let's say we're up at a thousand people at what, what kind of interaction can you have then? Absolutely. So I love interaction.
1: I know, and I feel confident in how I, how I interact with the audience during the presentation. I love interaction because I do get, I feed off the energy of the audience and that gets my energy flowing as well. So if there's an opportunity to have an actual anchor as an activity, I will find a way to do it. Saying that, if you can't own that to a large group by um, meaning that you you have difficulty re-engaging them to get them back into the the presentation, or you lose a few people, or you're not very clear on your activity, there's lots of reasons not to do those kinds of activities in a presentation. I think a couple of things is preparing for it, planning for it. Um, practicing it, practicing it with a group of two or a group of 200. And how can you do that? You can do it in those kinds of um, presentations where perhaps you're you're testing something out. There was an opportunity to speak. It's not necessarily part of your business speaking where you get paid for speaking and you build follow-up relationships, but it's an opportunity in your community to try something new. I like it. So, yes, activities are fantastic if I'm an audience member.
0: Personally, I love them. That's how I learn. Um, But they're not for everybody. Okay. So there's the standard turn to your neighbor, discuss this, Mm -hmm. and then whatever. Talk to me about what the ones that you think are kind of like the easiest to do and that you like. Sure. So there's great speakers out there, great coaches out there that will tell you,
1: um, remind you, I guess, to say your audience may not be able to have that conversation with the person next to you without a little preamble or a little thought process to make that really um, proactive or pro. Pro, uh, a learning style, let's put it, because right. you don't want to just turn and then them start talking about the cake they made last night. Right. <laughs> you really want them to be focused on the activity for what it is. Okay. So, yes, that's an easy one, your neighbor beside you. I personally love the ones where people do get on their feet. Uh-huh. And I love the ones that um, create some kind of energy, meaning Touch, which is is odd, but a touch, whether it's their own touch or a touch with another audience member, like a handshake or um, whatever that case may be, where uh, there's times to use other senses. So they'd be looking at you, performing on stage and and taking the stage. Now they need to do something to reunite their senses. Hearing, touching, uh, you know, smelling whatever that is, how do you get them to engage their senses, their other senses?
0: Okay. I like that. Um, One of the things to call people back, uh, Sarah McVannell gave me this beautiful bell, ching chimes that you cling together. And I love the idea of it not being my voice that brings them back, it being some other third party thing that brings them back because that sound is so unique. You can't miss it. Right. I
1: use a, a blinged out whistle. So it's
0: all blinged out like diamonds
1: and I use it for the same reason. And, and sometimes depending on the audience, but if it's a woman, woman focused conference, let's say I might even throw in the, um, if you remember the sound of music where they the, right? The colonel's called you with your whistle. I'm not Ah, like that, right? (laughs) But it does. It's a different sound. It
0: helps us, oh, engage again, re-engage. Okay. Nice. All right. So are you wanting to engage for an hour or build Mm -hmm. a relationship that will lead to signed contracts months ahead? What
1: does that mean? So for me, for me, and I'm going to talk a little about the mental health piece just for a minute, Jane. Oh, sure. When I first started doing mental health presentations, I had the typical people, typical group of people that come up after and line up at your table afterwards. And they'd share their mental health stories with me because I was just on stage talking about mental health, talking about my father, sharing some of those authentic stories. And it gave permission and a connection. And they would share their story with me but it didn't go any further. That's where it ended. Mm-hmm. So I go home and I've connected to these people. And really what I thought was, oh my gosh, what are they going to do with that information now? How do they have support to, to carry on that um, idea or thought that we may have shared that day? Okay. So when I talk about engaging your audience beyond, it's what you leave them with. What is their exact next step so that they still can have extra pieces of you and your message? Okay. So how are you? How are you connecting with them? Have you given them a way to connect? If you have a book, that's usually easier because now I can buy the book and read more about you and learn more about that message. Okay. Um, but if you don't have a book, there's lots of other ways to engage the audience. Three months from now, six months from now, or a year. Um, if it's a if it's a conference, make sure that you also are engaging with the conference. Um, what are they called? Yeah, coordinator, right? Mm-hmm. And Because they'll have another conference, and you, if you keep that relationship with your five-touch system kind of after the conference, you'll have a better chance of coming back and speaking on another area of your expertise.
0: Okay, so what you're saying is that we want to make sure that we're going beyond this one presentation. Uh, we might have a call to action that says you know, there's a great book here. I'll be available to sign it, whatever it might be. You can sometimes get your conference coordinator to say things like that on your behalf, which is kind of nice when they'll do it. Uh, my goal is that you have all the books pre-sold and that there's one at every spot and then you then are there to sign the books afterwards. Um, so uh, let 's talk about asking for more business from the platform. I have this subtle little thing called the Help Me Speech" that we do right before the close where we just say, "As you can see, I am passionate about fill in the blank. I am passionate about mental health. If you know of anyone who could benefit from this material, please come and see me afterwards and bring me your business card and that is an um It allows the audience to come and see you, which they'd want Mm -hmm. to do anyway and tell you their stories, but then it also plants the seed in their mind where you've kind of asked for the sale. You're saying, here's how you could help me. Absolutely. And and I think people really like that. Um, Are there other ways you think of asking for the business subtly? Yeah. So there's um, In the world-class speaking
1: tools, there's a method called swap, sell without annoying people. I like that. annoying people. <laughs> and uh, there's different techniques within that, but it, similar to what you're saying, Jane, it's planting those little seeds throughout your presentation yes. so that they don't become your presentation like a sales presentation. Um, it, sharing a little blurb from your book, a, a quote perhaps, or a little um, story piece from in there because then it's just visually like, wow, I want to read more of that. Mm-hmm. It, it could be things like, a follow-up, something free afterwards, mm-hmm. if it's a kind of conference where it's not a salesy con- conference, and you want to engage further, so that again, people are looking for, how can I get more of this, because you've done such an incredible job at the presentation. I remember one speaker, she came to a group that I, I was in, and I was learning about the platform and things like this early on in my career, and she spoke, she, it was more of a question and answer period, where we could just pick her brain, right? Mm -hmm. She's a platform speaker. She, that's all she does. And she had her book there. We all bought a book. I think they're probably 99% were sold and we all bought a book. I had no idea what her book was. I had no idea that wasn't the purpose, but I wanted something of her so bad because I was just so engaged to her conversation and what she had to offer and help us with that. I wanted a piece of that. Um, that book I still reread many, many times.
0: That's nice. and and I heard I think it was Barb Schwartz years ago at NSA. Very few people will probably recognize her name, but uh, she said, if your presentation moves people and if you have information that you think that could be beneficial to them when they're leaving, why wouldn't you want them to take it with them? Absolutely. And so that's where you need to be. I think people need to be a little bit more brave when it comes to asking for the business. And we're not talking about you're doing a 20 minute sales pitch. We're just talking <laughs> yeah. about a line or two that you add into your presentation that tells people how they can help you.
1: Yes. Little, little um, dribbles of information in your presentation where people go, wow, that was a good 10 bit. Oh, there's more in <laughs> that book or that uh, manual or that daytime or whatever that is that you're selling.
0: Right. Right. Now we haven't really talked about story or story formation yet. Um, what? Let's talk about an opening story and let's talk about a closing story. Mm-hmm. So
1: when most people close, they close at the end of the presentation. Thank you so much. Um, Are there any questions? And in mental health, I learned early on that that was the worst time to have that question and answer period was at the end because many people, many, many people have some very difficult stories around mental health. So I clearly learned how, how important it was if you're gonna have questions, have them early. But you, the speaker, should be the one closing the show, per se, right. And right. leaving them with that last thought.
0: Otherwise, the energy of from the room may have been completely drained and and
1: sucked towards that one thing that that may yeah. not be the message you want to leave them with. Right. So, right. a story is a great way to close a presentation. Okay. The difference between the opening story and the closing story, though, is the opening story is making you want, making, helping your audience feel wow, that's interesting. Didn't know that. Wow. I've connected. Wow. I'm like that person or that story isn't so different than mine or those feelings or emotions. Whereas at the end, it's, I see how this all wraps up nicely. Mm -hmm. That story is where I want to be, where my hope is, where my goals are. I I want to take a couple of these pieces I've learned and now I want to hit that success or that, that goal or that dream that someone in the story had.
0: So could we say that the opening story is about engaging the audience, if it's from your perspective, right. and the closing story should be some sort of call for action? Call for action
1: and hope that even after this presentation, there's, um, there's somewhere where you can go. So cuz there's so many people in the audience that may say, "Oh, I've already heard this stuff." You ever seen that or heard that? Mm, yeah. "I've already heard. Oh, I've been through this before. I know this story." Yeah. But you still want to leave them in that closing story with, "Wow, imagine if you could now use it, take action as you say call to action, but also find that there's incredible uh, an incredible amount of um, hope to reach another level that you hadn't even considered. Possibility.
0: Making. I like that possibility. Okay, wow. cool. That's really good. So it, are there any elements that you think we have missed in uh, today's podcast around engagement? Sure.
1: So if you think of uh, just a couple of things, you engage with someone. So um, if you think of the typical engagement, you know, a proposal of engagement and someone's going to marry somebody else. Okay. That type of engagement. Yes. What you're actually saying is you're actually saying I'm committing to that. I'm committing to you for years to come for the rest of our lives. And I believe it's the same kind of thing. Hmm. So I'm committing to my audience that I am there for them, not me, that my message is going to help their lives, not mine. Okay. That, um, that you have something here that you've prepared, you've taken the time, you've made all of the uh, all of the message fit who the audience is. Mm. So that when I'm sitting in the audience, I can sit there even from the first 60 seconds and say, "hmm, I need to hear more. I want to hear more. Mm. And really, um, the best speakers that I know of, can not only share their expertise, but they own the stage, meaning they are them. So that there's no difference from where I meet you one to one at a coffee shop, Jane, compared to how I see you on whatever stage or platform that is. Mm-hmm. You are Jane, and you've got all of these incredible gifts that you're sharing, whether it's on stage or off stage. So
0: being you. The- And, and making it about them is so very powerful. And the more, you know, them, like you've gone deep into one industry and doesn't that make them feel like you really understand their needs more than anybody? Absolutely. Absolutely. So,
1: um, and I'm, I'm, people have different opinions on this. I love to be able to go to a conference if I'm going to be speaking and go early and hear some of the conversations and uh, be a part of some of the challenges that have gone on, uh, hearing what other speakers are talking about at the conference to see really what the needs are that that conference has identified for their for their audience. Hmm. And I do the same thing afterwards. Some speakers feel that they, they need to run off, but if I'm ever um, invited for dinner, or for lunch, or for an hour to stay afterwards, I'm absolutely going to do that because, and again, that engagement um, if I get to connect with a couple of people that really you know, benefited from something I said or something in the message, mm-hmm. I know for a fact I could probably take them and help them through, through a lot of their journey
0: going forward. I love it. I love it. Sarah, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, what shall they do? They can email me at
1: sarah at spokenadvantage.com. They can look on our website, SpokenAdvantage.com, and we obviously have some great um, social media work being done to talk about more about this kind of thing and and about how to engage with your audience.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And uh, we will put those in the show notes. Sarah Hilton, thank you so much for your time today on behalf of our audience. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. So much fun. It was great to have you. And, audience, if you are listening and uh, you have enjoyed what it is that you've heard, will you do me a favor? I have something very specific to ask you to do. Would you email me, jane at speakerlauncher.com, with podcast in the subject line? I would like to hear number one, where did you listen to our podcast? And um, number two, did you find the show notes helpful? We've been putting uh, some time segmenting into our show notes, and people have really appreciated that. And I would love to hear your comments and feedback on your enjoyment of the podcast. So with that, we will say uh, thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you soon, wealthy speakers. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Wealthy Speaker show. Please visit speakerlauncher.com for your free Wealthy Speaker audit and visit speakerlauncher.com forward slash podcast for show notes and many more resources to help you catapult your speaking business. See you soon, Wealthy Speakers.